Hey everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Locked In Baseball Podcast. And um, you know, I do want to first just kind of thank everybody again. You know, I do this kind of before every episode. And I wanted to thank everybody for you know providing the the reviews and and the the ratings. I mean, one of you one of you little guys you know gave me a four star rating, so I'm kind of not pumped about that. But if you wanna you wanna reach out to me and let me know what you really think, go ahead. But Anyways, um, no, thanks seriously for all, you know, for all the, all the feedback, you know, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just greatly appreciated. Um, today we have a good friend of mine who coaches out of Point University in West Point, Georgia. Um, and you know, his name's Steve Brown and, you know, I'm just really pumped to have him. He is a California boy. Um, you know, I just, you know, love getting to know him over the last year and, and how he teaches and how he coaches and recruits and, you know, I just kind of wanted to, you know, first, you know, thank you. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. What up, Joe? How you doing, man? Good. I so we were before we got on. You know, we were talking about how everybody's like, you know, well, the podcast is titled "Locked In," right? Because we're all locked in the houses, but we're all locked in our houses. Whereas yeah. you are not locked in your house. Not not currently, no. No, we're uh, we're a little bit more free than uh, than the Californians back home. Yeah, and you know what kind of sucks over here is like my Wi Fi went down in my house, so um, no Wi Fi, which means like no Netflix, no 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 Tiger King, that's out. Oh, geez, no too hot to handle, which I finished yesterday, so I'm pumped about that. But um, yeah, but not just my house; it's like. Like several people I know in the Rancho Cucamonga area, they're like, "Hey, my Wi-Fi is down," and I'm like, "Well, use your hotspot on your phone." And then they're like, "Yeah, that doesn't work." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, neither does mine." So I don't know. Maybe the pan- oh, maybe maybe the pandemic is like snowballing in the other aspects of our lives. <laughs> it's taking over the internet. I don't know, man. Maybe Terminators are coming. Well, probably zombies. Zombies are next. Yeah. Well. Well, you know. Thanks again. Thanks for coming or joining. Um, what are you doing right now? Literally, I am posted up in a chair, five o'clock somewhere, catfishing right now. It's actually five o'clock there. Yes, yeah, five o'clock in Georgia time. <laughs> so I'm just chilling right now, waiting patiently for something to some some bites on this rod right here. Yeah, somebody's gonna bite your rod, huh? Bite the rod. <laughs> big old, big old cat. Come on, I, I like. We got, got to catch one today okay so there's certain guests that i really really like talking to like even you know off off the record or whatever we want to call this but you know you're one of them like i think like because we can do like that pixar type thing where we have like this is a kid-friendly um post or episode right but then also you know we like the adults are going to start chuckling when they hear some of these things is (laughs) it's like, like a despicable me movie and you know what? Like, I really realized that, that what Pixar was doing. Like, I I never picked up on this, so I had to go back and watch all these movies after I watched. Remember that movie Coco? Oh God, yeah. And there was a there was a character in there that like died because something like that. Some kind of family member. Yeah, but he choked on a tree so and died, and everybody forgot who he was. So <laughs> I don't know. But um, a tree so will get you, man. What's that? I said that Teresa will get you, man. Yeah, but you know it was like kind of, you know, kind of 
sucky about it was my daughter like picked up on it like she didn't know what it meant like from the adult standpoint but like she was running around the house saying he choked on a chorizo he choked on a chorizo <laughs> and so i was like you gotta cut that out you can't keep saying that yeah you can't say that i mean but you know whatever so um <laughs> yeah so i went back and watched like toy story and all these other movies from pixar and i was, try- I was trying to like pick up on like the innuendo that they were throwing in there to make it make us all you know kind of laugh underneath our breath so oh yeah so how how long you been fishing today? Uh, probably about forty minutes. Forty. Got, got done with the field, some field stuff, and then uh, just swinged on over here and so, got some new bait. Trying out some new bait, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Anybody know where I can get some damn bait? <laughs> get some damn bait! Come on, man. <laughs> um. So. What do you do? Like you said, you got done with some field stuff. What are you doing right now during like quarantine life? And you know. Like, you go to the field. What do you do at the field? Just, like, mow the grass? Other, other than losing my mind, yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm seriously, like, the head of ground right now at Point University. Right? So, basically, it's, you know, here in the south, man, it gets scorching hot come June, July. So, one thing I've been doing other than just cutting the fields, I'm trying to, you know, get all the irrigation, all the sprinklers set up so the zones are good, um, you know, we're getting ready to fertilize here in about a week. So just typical baseball field stuff. And, you know, I take care of soccer and softball too. So I have, a, I've actually three fields. So I actually stay pretty busy during the day. So you're the grounds crew, the soccer, the soccer grounds crew and the pitching coach. The so- the, what was that again? You're, you're the grounds crew for yes. the baseball field. Head, head, head groundskeeper. And, and and not just baseball, but soccer. Soccer, yeah. And you're the pitching coach? And, and softball. And don't so- forget about softball now. So you're a jack of so- all trades. Like you you're you're basically like the dean. You do everything. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could be the dean. <laughs> it's not Dean Pritchard from, from old school. I I don't want to be that guy. Jeez. No, you're way cooler than him, but okay, good. I mean at some point, though, like the same, like I like to go off on tangents and talk about nothing but baseball. But I mean, really, in this, <laughs> like we should probably get to that eventually. Eventually, yeah, um, I mean, we're like six minutes in, and we're just BSing, and people are just like, "What's going on? What's going on?" You know. But um, so okay, so as a as a central, you know, Central California kid, right? Um, yep, and Southern California, and Southern Cal- Huntington Beach, yeah, for a while. Oh, you weren't. Yeah, yeah. But what was first? Central. Uh, well, C- Central Visalia was first, and then we moved out of Visalia, then moved to Vegas, and then moved to Huntington Beach. Okay. So it kind of floated around a little. No, nah, you're a Central guy, man. You got to pick. Oh, okay. one. If you had to pick one, which would you pick? Oh, I'm straight Barrio in San Joaquin, Holmes. Okay. See, so so yep. you're, you're Central Valley. Yep. Okay. And you came to Huntington Beach, right? Yep. To play yep. some play some college ball. Play some college ball. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about your college experience. All right. Ready? Yep. Go ahead. I don't. I don't have anything to ask you. Just tell me. Go. Oh, go. Wow. <laughs> Ready? Wow. Go. Well. All right. Well, <laughs> college experience was uh, lived. Man. I mean, I, I played at uh, Orange Coast College from '03 to '06. Um, won a championship there at OCC. Went to the Final Four. My Redshirt freshman year, got to experience that up in Fresno. 
That was awesome. And then uh, I signed with University of Cincinnati. Uh, so out of OTC, I committed to Cincinnati. And then the guy that recruited me uh, got fired. So right before school was about to start, I had to find a new home. And actually, I, I fell in love with this school that uh, that was recruiting me before Cincinnati. And it was a private uh, NAI school in downtown Nashville, Trevecca Nazarene University. Went to Trevecca, played two years there, won two championships. And, you know, that was that was pretty much the college realm. Floated it for, Went from Southern California to Cincinnati to Nashville. Hmm. Well, there's nothing wrong with Nashville. No, Nashville is awesome. Nashville's, I was just talking to a good friend of mine last night about how I just love Nashville. Like, I I love it, you know? And oh, it's, a, it's such a hidden gem. It's not as hidden anymore, I don't think, though. No, no, no. Like, people are like trying Nash to figure Vegas. it out. People, yeah, people are trying to figure it out. But... Yeah. I did want to touch on, you know, and I know it's a little bit of, you know, I don't want to say a sensitive subject, but it kind of is, um, of your time at OCC and, you know, what it was like playing for John Altavelli, you know, and your experience with him. And if you're okay with that, if not, I can edit this whole last, you know, piece out and we can just move on. But, but um, I really feel like there's some legacy there with him, obviously, and that you represent a lot of that. And, you know, I'd like for... You know, because this this uh, podcast is geared towards our listeners and who are, you know, generally like you know, baseball families with kids who want to play college ball, but they're having a hard time like navigating through the whole recruiting process, or even if they're you know younger kids and the parents are, you know, trying to figure this all out. Like, hey, is my kid as good as I think he is? He's eleven, but he's like the best player at big league dreams, and and uh, he's hitting balls like one hundred ninety seven feet. And with, with with loaded bats and, you know, pitchers are throwing pretty hard. They're at like 42 miles an hour. So I know he's going to get the bat around and the, and the swing's going to play at the next level. So, you know, it's either UCLA or bust, right? You know, that's what, oh, that's, that's like the parent, the, the typical parent mentality, right? But as you know, right, and especially, I mean, you know, you know as well as everybody or as well as anybody that, you know, not every not every journey in this game is like just you know, you know, high school D one pro ball, big leagues, Hall of Fame. You know, like that doesn't always work like that. Like it's the, like less than like point percent. Yeah, it's more of like a roller coaster of like loop de loops, and like if you persevere and you stick through it, then you know there's a chance you. I, I think like if you have that toughness, you can you can you can work your way into you know at least you know, good college baseball. And, and there you put up numbers, you have a chance to play pro ball, pro ball, but good college baseball doesn't necessarily mean division one ball. Right. So, you know, but you know, junior yeah. college baseball and like, as you know, at, in, in Southern California, especially or at, in California, you know, community college baseball, it's, you know, it's, it's g- good competition, you know? So I want to be, I want to kind of advocate a little bit for like the, the alternative routes besides, you know, being an early commit at a D one, you know, program, you know, to kind of give, give the players and the parents, especially kind of like that, that security that if, if junior college is the route to go, you know, that it's, it's not the end of the world. In fact, like it's a great opportunity. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we went off on a little tangent there, but you know, let's go like, if you wouldn't mind like talking about, you know, where you went from like Central Valley to, you know, to, to, to junior college baseball, you know, what, what was kind of, 
Um, I mean, like that opportunity was pretty good, especially to play for a man like that. Yeah, you know, kind of just, you know, it, it wasn't one of those things at a high school to where it just happened, you know, because the I, I just remember looking in the newspaper one day and I saw, you know, the game schedules and OCC was playing uh, a conference game against Fullerton College. And this is because I took a year off out of high school. I didn't go straight into playing. Mm-hmm. And I went over there and I watched them play and, you know, at the time, OCC wasn't the power that they were. And I, you know, I watched the game and I watched the, you know, the, the two teams go at it. And I was like, man, this is good baseball. You know, like, like you were saying, not not a lot of people understand the whole junior college, uh, the whole junior college route. But I remember going over to Alto's office and sitting down with him and telling him I wanted to try out. You know, it was uh, he was really he was. It was really easy to talk to you off the field. And, you know, he just told me, hey, we're having a tryout. And and uh, I went out and I tried out and I made I, – I, I, it's a fall roster is how they do it. They have a fall ball team and I made the fall ball team. But one thing that, that they didn't tell me is that the fall ball roster at the time when I was playing out there was like over 70 kids. Our fall ball roster, it was like a football team out there. And he narrowed it down every three weeks – Till he got his, you know, 30, 35 guys. And my first year, I just wasn't quite ready. Um, I was playing third base and I was also pitching. And, you know, he pulled me into his office and he was just like, hey, you know, third base is just not for you right now. That's a little slow. Um, but he goes, I, I really want you to work on pitching, but we're going to redshirt you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, so that's great. So, so my first year, I redshirted and then I came back my second year and I made the team and, and that's uh, that college baseball team. My redshirt freshman year was probably the best group of guys that I've ever played with. Because what's one great thing about junior college is it's that second chance. You know, like you said before, oh, I didn't go to UCLA out of high school. Well, hey, there's junior college. You know, or you go off to UCLA and you don't make grades or you get in a little bit of trouble. You go to junior college. Um, so we had a we had a group of guys that year that were that were unbelievable. We had D one kickbacks. Uh, we had guys that got drafted out of high school because back when I played in '03 was the whole draft and follow era. So I mean it, it was it was unbelievable baseball, unbelievable baseball. Uh, there was numerous major leaguers that came out of the Orange Empire Conference those years, and, and uh, playing for a guy like Alto. Like I could seriously talk for an hour about John Alfelli because he was such a, a role model mentor to me, and he was the most consistent person I have ever met in my life. Like every day that guy showed up to the field, he he brought a presence to him. Like, hey, we're going to get stuff done. Like the name of the show, he was locked in all the time, all the time he was locked in. And he got his guys to work extremely hard at one thing, and and that that thing was baseball. And you know, now that I'm older, and I look back at the traits that he taught us, it, it 100% flows into your your life as a as a man for sure. Right. Well, I mean, I know I know he really, um, you know, really affected you in such a great way. And um, you know, I I mean, over over the years, I've you know. We've we've had players from our program that played at OCC, so like communication between 
you know, he and I personally is like very minimal, you know, just kind of like, Oh yeah, he's a good player. You know, like one of the, that's it, you know, yeah. talking about a player and then, um, but just like how he's affected you and affected, you know, you know, our, our former players from, from CBA or, um, just, just anybody who's really played for him, obviously it has been, um, like through like osmosis, you know, I, you know, you and we were all part of the same baseball community in a sense. So, you just you just know like what he's kind of what what he's put into the or put in this whole thing you know what he kind of sacrificed or what he you know all the effort and energy and you know for for guys to have championship character like that there needs to be a lot of time they gotta you gotta put your heart and soul into that you know so like that's it's really easy to relate to to guys like him because they they don't I mean not to say I'm one of those guys but I'm it's really easy to see because even if like you, you aren't one of those guys, you know what they have to bring to the table to make it as special mm-hmm. as they do, you know, and to impact the lives that, that he's been able to impact. And it was really great seeing you at um, his service a few months back. And I know, you know, kind of shitty circumstances, sorry, uh, sorry for my potty mouth, but shitty circumstances. And, um, you know, but it, I mean, it's weird how, and I think this is the, the, the you know, the positive stuff you got to take out of this or out of those experiences is that, you know, it brings the people that you care about closer together. You know, obviously, if you focus on that, you know, like the community focuses on that, then, you know, there's tremendous impact even that he creates on, you know, those people, you know, that are kind of left behind, so to speak to continue what he's taught and what he, you know, the legacy he brought to the table. So it just really fortifies, you know, who he was and what he, you know, what he taught. Um, you know, so, you know, I know you go out there every day and you, you know, you represent him well, you represent his family well and OCC baseball well, because, you know, I know the type of guy you are, you know, and, 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 you know, how involved and how much you love the game and you love the players that you're involved with and the, and the players you coach, um, you know, so I, I, I appreciate people like you, you know, that are, you know, you're not, you know, you're not just in this for the paycheck, so to speak. You're in this because yeah. you want to see, you want to see, you know, not guys, not just compete on the field, but succeed when they're done playing and when, when baseball's over, because it does come to an end, right? Uh, Absolutely, I mean, yeah. I mean, fortunately for you and I, we're still involved in the game to some capacity, but as far as playing's concerned, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all over at some point. And that's, you know, kind of, kind of the gist of what you know, John Altabelli was about, right? Just kind of teaching, teaching guys to succeed uh, in no matter what walk of life, you know, and using baseball as that as that perfect tool to to kind of get them motivated. Um, Absolutely, you know. So, I mean, he was a guy. You know, his, his biggest thing was to never ever give up. Like it doesn't matter if we're down by ten or up by ten, you just keep going. Um, you know, and then when I got the opportunity to coach with him um, out out in the Cape Cod League, man, I mean that when you go from a player to a coach, you know, and then you see the side of because forever, you know, he was just like Coach Alto, Coach Alto, and then me and him started getting pretty close as friends once I got done playing, and he was the sole reason why I got into co- you know coaching college baseball or coaching baseball in general because I started out at the high school ranks, and and uh, you know one thing that that he used to always talk about was how with, with young men, you always got to treat them the same. 
you always got to treat somebody the same. And I look back on that, like when we had that conversation, like it makes so much sense. Like he treated the the last reliever on the pitching staff the same that he would treat his Friday guy going to UC Irvine. You know what I mean? Like he treated the backup, backup bullpen catcher just as good as the guy that just got drafted by the Rock. And I think that's why his team his team concept was so good because everybody wanted to fight for him because he treated everybody the right way. Yeah. Well, that's, um, I mean, there's anything you can say about him. It's, it's obviously going to be good stuff. And he, he doesn't see, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of really good coaches out there. Right. And you hear stories about most of them, but this, like what, what he, who he was just seems to be, really special, you know, and I, I wish I got to, to know him. And, um, you know, obviously it's not just he who perished in that helicopter crash, but you know, it's, um, you know, he, he's the one we're focusing on right now, you know, because of what he, how he teaches or how he taught baseball oh, yeah. and, and the impact, the lasting impact he left on you and, you know, and how, you know, you take that, uh, and apply it to, you know, how you teach the game and, and, and interact with your players. So, um, if you would mind, if we could kind of transition a little bit into, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I mean, and you know, we can get in. You know, I'm, I do want to get into an hour with him one day, or about him one day. You know, if if you want to, and and um, we can make that, you know, even more of a focal point because you know, the same thing. Like, I'll be on here. Like, you know, my dad is is my biggest. Um, I don't want to say role model, but he was a role model. But he was my biggest influence as you know, as a baseball guy. You know, because that's what he, you know you know, who he was. And so the attention detail that he brought to the table and all that, you know, I can go on for days, you know, with that. And I, you know, I love interacting about him, you know, and I know that, you know, Altabelli had a similar influence on you. And, um, yeah. So, you know, maybe we save a lot of that for another day and, and continue to kind of, you know, touch on it a little bit more, but, um, I do want to get into, you know, what it's like coaching at point, uh, besides having to mow the grass every day somewhere on campus. <laughs> and I want to get into, you know, how, you know, what you look for in players when you recruit, what you look for in players once they show up on campus, um, what the daily, you know, kind of routine kind of is, and, you know, what it's like just, you know, living on the other side of the country and being away from your, you know, your home state and, you know, how it was transitioning, you know, in life from, you know, being a West Coast, you know, California kid and moving to, uh, you know, kind of just a different world compared to where we're at. You know, you got trees everywhere, and <laughs> you got, oh, yeah. yeah, and you got a, uh, you know, it's just green and zero pollution, and you're cat, <laughs> you're, you're catfishing right now. I mean, yeah, animals everywhere, yeah, Big old bugs. Yeah, the only oh, yeah. the only catfishing we have is on Bumble and Tinder out here. So, um, <laughs> you know, and you don't want to yep. you don't want to catch those. So. No, 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 no. You swipe out of the quick. Yeah, swipe. I don't know. Straight. I don't you know. Use a different bait. I don't know what the term is for that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hopefully, you didn't do the catfishing. You know, hopefully, you were the. Hopefully, you were the one that got catfished when you were on those sites back in the day. You know what? I believe it or not, I never used like uh, like a, an app like that. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, we're in our mid to late thirties. So back when we were coming up, it was all about MySpace. Right <laughs> and Tom was it was that where we were at? Is my like I don't even think Facebook was around. So uh, it was my MySpace. It might have like, been MySpace was like mid two thousands, right? And then Facebook came in yeah. shortly after. I don't know, right about the same yeah. time, mid two thousands, because it was like two thousand. I think I was like two thousand four or two thousand five when when I joined the Facebook train, 
But I remember yeah. MySpace and like Tila Tequila and Tom, like with this creepy <laughs> look when he's at his computer and he's staring back at you, like looking over yeah. his shoulder. Like he's looking at something. He's looking at something inappropriate <laughs> on his computer screen, looking back at you, like, did you catch me? You know? No. Uh, but, um, but yeah, you know, let's talk about, you know, you know, lifestyle. You know, let's talk about what you, you know, what, what, what it's like being a, you know, an incoming freshman at, at Point University and, and being, you know, being there for, you know, four years, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, you know, we want to try to get kids out here to experience something new. Like, let, let's just say we're recruiting a California kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the biggest thing is once we get the kid on the phone and we talk to the parents and the kid gets accepted into the institution, you know, that's when the scholarship package comes out. We, you know, one, one good thing that we have going at Point University out here is we could package really well. We have athletic scholarship. We have academic scholarship. So when you can find those two, if you have a good, you know, good player that has good grades, he's going to get a good package as a freshman. So, you know, once the kid gets out here, get him all set up in his, in his dorm room, um, all freshmen and sophomores have to live on campus for their first two years. And then their junior and senior year, they can live off campus, get a house, get an apartment. But, you know, we pair up all our baseball guys with another baseball guy. So we got, and, and usually, I mean, with the amount of guys we have from California, a California guy will get paired up with another California guy. Um, so they could sit in their dorm rooms and crave uh, a double-double without getting one. You know what I mean? So They could just talk, so they about, could they could talk about it. Just talk about it, you know. <laughs> Not have it, but just talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's usually the first, you know, step, getting them on campus. And then, you know, once we start doing, you know, team meetings and team activities, that's when the baseball starts. And, you know, I know you went out of state and played some college ball. And, you know, baseball is baseball. It doesn't matter where you're at. Baseball is the same game. Um, you know, one cool thing about Point University is we got kids from all over, all over the United States, let alone all over the world. Um, we had a second baseman from Australia this year. We had a first baseman from Canada, two kids from the Dominican Republic, a kid from Mexico. You know, so uh, when it comes to the baseball language, it's all pretty universal. So I think that's when kids start to feel their best. Is, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here to play ball, and we're playing ball right now. Um, so once that starts to flow, then that's when the team chemistry starts to happen. Hmm. So you guys cast a wide net, though. Like, how do you get – Australia, tell me about how you get a kid in Australia. You're on vacation one day, and you say, oh, that guy, that guy looks like he can swing the bat. I mean, he's playing cricket, but, you know, you give him a glove and you let him figure that out. And Yeah, I wish it was. No, no, uh, it, it's connection. Uh, a junior college coach, the, the kid actually played junior college baseball. Once again, the JUCO route. He went from Australia to Washington and played at a junior college in Washington. Um, and then, uh, and then we got him over here. The kid from Panama, same thing. Left Panama, went and played junior college ball in Mississippi. And we signed him out of the junior college route in Mississippi. Hmm. So. Now, just the like, so basically, like through relationships, you you're able to you know recruit and get the guys you need on campus, right? It's not so. I guess one of the one of the arguments I'm trying to put out there for you know for families to understand, it's not always about attending every showcase and camp on the map, right, or on the schedule. Yes. And you know, I, 
I think especially for, you know, schools with low recruiting budgets, I know you guys have like an endless stream of, of money coming through to, so you guys oh, can go out and recruit. Multi-millions, private jets. Oh yeah. So like you can't even attend all those showcases and camps if you wanted to. So the, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So it's exactly, you know, you, you have to be smart about how you, um, draw in those kids because if you're just seeing a kid at a camp, even if he has the best day of his life, you know, that's probably not, you know, as consistent. Like, I mean, one thing a good coach told me, um, in independent ball was you're never as good as you think you are when things are going well. And you're never as bad as you think you are when things are going shitty. Right. So, um, when you see a kid out there and he's like four for four ball off the wall, you know, makes a web jam, you know, yeah, that's a kid you want to follow, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's how he is all the time. So even then, like you got to take that with a grain of salt because it's not going to be, you know, it, you're not going to see Derek Jeter every day, every day, right? You're going to see, you know, inconsistency, inconsistencies in guys over time. You're going to see, um, you know, but you don't get to see their flaws. Right. Absolutely. But you don't don't get the luxury of being able to do that because you get, you know, because of that recruiting budget and your availability and you got to be, you know, sometimes it seems you got to be at like multiple places at once. So you're not seeing these kids, you know, more than once a lot, you know, sometimes you got to, so a lot of time it's a, you know, it's, you know, through the relationships, right. Where you, you know, reach out to the guys you, you know, well, and that are going to give you accurate, you know, um, uh, basically, you know, profiles on players and you're going to, you know, get accurate information on who these guys are. And then you're able to follow up with his high school coach or his travel team or, you know, scouts in the air, people, you know, through, again, through relationships. Right. So, you know, um, tell me like, is that, like for you guys, I mean, I know I just kind of just, you know, led you into what I wanted you to say, but <laughs> I mean, like, tell me how, like, tell me what your process is when you, you know, identify a player, you know, you're probably not going to be able to see him a whole lot. Um, especially if he's out of town, like on the West coast, you guys are back, you know, over there in Georgia. So, you know, you, you know, tell me about, you know, or tell, you know, the people listening, you know, what, what it is, you know, what that process is for you, because it, cause it's extremely different, you know, it's not the, it's not nearly, you know, it's not nearly the same experience as, you know, guys would get from, you know, the, the, the power five schools or, or, you know, any D one program for that matter. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you gotta, you know, it's, it's tough when, when you're at a smaller school, you know, uh, the biggest thing is understanding that we're not going to get the, the the best, the best, the best guy. Like you said earlier, you know, those guys are usually going to your power five schools and, and stuff. But, you know, the biggest thing for us is when I go out and get a lead on a kid and I talk to the kid, I want to hear that, number one, the kid wants to develop. He wants to become a better baseball player and a better student to get a degree. And the other thing is I, I want to see if he wants to try to win a championship because – you know, a lot, a lot of kids now are trying to get in that showcase mindset where it's how hard can I throw? How, how far can I hit a BP fastball? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you get into some of these, you know, organizations to where, you know, if you lose a game or anything like that, the kids are immune to losing. Like, it's just, it's just another loss. But in college, you don't have that luxury. In college, you have, I, I want to say Division three is only 40 games. And then us, Division Two and Division One, we're we're at fifty five, fifty six games, and that that's not a lot of games to just be like, oh yeah, it's okay to lose. No, like you gotta you gotta get a kid that could progress in the game 
and understand that, you know, if he does fail, let's, let's try to figure it out and try to get this guy better. Um, but on the other end, like when we were talking about the recruiting side, like when, you know, you made a great point, like, yeah, that kid might've gone four for four with like a ball over the fence and a hard hit ball. But then you look at his stats when you get back to your hotel room and you're like, this guy's only hitting a buck 29. You know, his, his average just jumped in one game. So it's like, you really got to break down a player um, when you are seeing him. And then, you know, with the connections that I have with some friends and, and guys that I played with or scouts, you know, at our level, with our budget, you got to take their word for it. You really got to trust their word. And, and uh, you know, hopefully it's a fit. And the kid that, you know, from California, Arizona, New York, Florida, wherever they come from, they, they need to understand the importance of development. Yeah. And I think that's everywhere too, but, um, especially, you know, especially for, cause like you said, you're not getting the most, you know, you're not getting the guys with five tools, right? So, so yeah, conti- continu- no. continuing to improve is, is, you know, and, and let's, let's go back to the high school part of this, you know, whole, you know, whole thing, you know, whole recruiting process, you know, guys are so focused on like showcasing at camps that often, especially if they're the NAIA type player, right? That often mm-hmm. they're putting that as a priority over continuing to get better, right? So, to me, you know, okay, like we like I deal with players that have attended every perfect game, like they're 14 years old, right? And they've attended every perfect game showcase in the country, you know, or most of them, you know, um, or you know, and we have guys that attend, you know, because you know, a prominent division one university will send a letter inviting them to a camp. Right. Yep. And I mean, I want to kind of just, you know, give, I mean, I don't know if people know this, but everybody gets those invites. So everybody, you know, everybody gets those invites, yep. but I mean, not to say they're not good to attend, but there's no reason to make that a priority over personal growth and development on the field. And obviously, you know, taking care of business in the classroom. But so, you know, my thing is, is like, don't let's not put the cart in front of the horse and forget, like, as soon as, you know, we, we jump from eighth grade to the freshman year of baseball, you know, let's not, let's not forget completely about what it, you know, how we, how we need to get better every day, you know, and these showcases and focusing on that isn't necessarily, the way, the way to go, not to say there's not good ones. Cause there are good ones, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good ones, but you know, you've got to really be selective off those. Right. So, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I tell, I tell a lot of high school kids, you know, when, when I work camps, I really, you know, I'm not plugging a camp or anything, but a program that does a really good job with their camp is Alabama state. Mm-hmm. Um, in Montgomery, Alabama. And, you know, that whole coaching staff, those guys, they do such a good job with the kids, showing them drills, working hands-on, the whole staff's out there. Um, but, you know, I tell a lot of these, these kids is exactly what you just said. Don't go to every showcase, you know, especially, you know, like let, let's say a big school, like, you know, UCLA, Cal State Fullerton, those schools out there, why not try out a Chapman? showcase you know a smaller school you know just because yeah say you're not throwing in the mid 80s when you're a sophomore in high school why don't you just narrow down like certain camps and showcases to probably a school you're you know more than likely going to end up at 
Um, you know, that's, that's another thing that, you know, kids don't understand that not every big school, you know, just have showcases. Small schools have showcases too. Right. Yeah. And, and I, you know, when, when I was at a, the, the division three level, I coached at the division three level for, for three years. And that's where we signed a lot of our guys, Yeah, you know, when they would show up to, to a showcase camp and talk to them and see what their grades were like. And, you know, that's how we got a lot of guys on campus. Yeah. So, okay. That's a good point. So my, my next question is when you're recruiting players, right? Mm-hmm. At what time through their high school career do you begin to identify them and follow up with them and then eventually pull the trigger and, you know, offer a, a scholarship of sorts or, you know, sign them? For for our level where we're at at Point University, it, it's them going into their senior year. So their summer between their junior and senior summer is really when we start dialing in on kids. Um, when I was coaching at Eastern Kentucky, it was, it was sooner, it was two years in advance. So, you know, and Eastern Kentucky is a mid major division one. So we were going in more of their sophomore to junior year. And that's, and that's identifying them, right? Most of the time, not pulling the trigger on these guys at that point. No, starting to follow up, starting to make sure that their grades are getting good, you know, test scores, stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I would, I would say that power five schools are, you know, what freshman year of high school. Yeah. Well, shoot. I mean, I've seen guys not step foot on a, ca- a college or a high school campus and they're getting, you know, SEC attention, you know, like at, yeah. uh, in, in, at these PG events in Florida where, you know, but that's like, shoot, what, like less than 1% of the, of the baseball, exactly. high school baseball player population. And and so, but like you see like this, these kids, like they, they commit to these schools on Twitter when they're, you know, freshmen in, in high school, they commit to these schools on Twitter. So like everybody else, I told, you know, I was talking to shoot, I don't know, somebody else that was on the podcast recently in one of these episodes, but about how like, you know, so-and-so, you know, little Jimmy commits to, uh, I don't know, University of Texas, right? And so because little Jimmy commits that means my like my clock is ticking right my window of opportunity is closing oh, yeah, so i gotta I, I gotta go i gotta go to texas's camp because they're on guys in my grad class and i gotta go to usc's camp and i gotta go to vanderbilt and miami and all these all these programs that one they're probably not going to play at to begin with but because look like you said like you know most mid-major d1 programs they're gonna they're gonna start targeting kids between their sophomore and junior year right and, and, you know, begin to follow up, like you said, and begin to see what their grades are like and begin to, um, you know, establish communication with them. Th- that's not when the offer is generally made. Obviously, there's exceptions, but, you know, generally that comes with time after you follow them for, you know, months, you know, sometimes a year or more, right? Yeah, yeah. But Especially not, if it's a high money guy. Right. And now you're at point, though. You're at an NEIA program, right, in Georgia. Yep. And is that north or south Georgia? I've lived in we're west west Georgia. West Georgia. Just outside of yeah. Okay. So you're in yeah. West Georgia, right? And you know, these like it, essentially, you know, that process starts way later. You said going into their into their senior year, right? But that's when they're going into their senior year in the fall. That's when communication may not even be established, but that's when you start identifying possible right? Possible prospects that could that that you want to follow, right? And then you yes. and then so 
you know, give me the give me the timeline there then. So we'll just say September 1st, you begin talking or you begin identifying players, right? Yes. So from September 1st, between September 1st of the senior year, right? And when, you know, when do you sign, when, when would you generally sign most of your guys out of high school? So, for example, let's let's use a guy on our roster, Adam Castillo. Okay, mm-hmm. he uh, he's California kid, played at La Habra High School, um, and we signed him out of La Habra High as an incoming freshman. So, I was actually out in California doing some junior junior college recruiting, and I always I always want to go and watch some high school games. So, I went and watched Esperanza versus La Habra, and he was on the mound. It pretty much the same. It was about, you know, late August, September, right when school was back in. And he caught my eye. And I talked to him after the, the fall ball game, and we were, we were chatting a little bit. And he said he had some other school options, but he definitely want to go home and talk to his parents about it. So let's say that September, we developed, you know, a relationship on the phone. Uh, to communicate a little bit about what he's, like, thinking about majoring in. A home situation, you know, that's another big thing. Uh, if a kid, you know, can't qualify for financial aid, you know, that's that's another thing you gotta you gotta tell kids you gotta fill out your FAFSA because if you do qualify, that's that's free money, you know. And a lot of people don't understand that, but the FAFSA is is huge for private schools, huge. Um, so you know, come usually around, I would say Thanksgiving is when I will start talking to the kid in the sense of, are you really interested in pointing? Because if you are, we're going to try to get you on campus. So either over Christmas break, Thanksgiving break, that time is when we try to get people to fly out from California and come experience point and check out the campus and the town and, and meet a couple guys on the team, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, they go back into their spring semester. They start playing some ball. Uh, test scores come in from their SAT or ACT. So now they're sending in all their transcripts and test scores. They get admitted into the university. Uh, they get packaged. And then that's usually, usually we'll start throwing out offers about mid-spring for a senior in high school. So mid-spring, and that's right. Right about now, <laughs> when, when, all, yeah. when, when all these guys are stuck, you know, at home and creating their own recruiting videos, hitting into their bow net. Um, yeah, yeah just, just launching balls into the backyard. So how, how are we adapting right now with that? I mean, you still got to um, get the guys you need to get, right? So how's... It's tough. It's, I feel so bad for high school seniors, man. I, I wish there was a, a way we could fix all this, you know, um, but... Honestly, I, I think what's going to have to eventually happen is that high school seniors that are going into college got to understand they're probably going to have to redshirt. Yeah. You know, which is not a bad thing. I, I was a redshirt guy. I don't know were you a redshirt guy when you played. No, but I mean, there's a lot of a lot of guys that turn out to be really good players. You know, that were, exactly, and that end up playing pro ball and you know, and yeah. get to the big leagues and all that. So it also helps with school too. It's you know, like you get an extra year. It's like the equivalent of getting held back in eighth grade. Like for some of our guys, you know what I mean? Like they get held back in eighth grade because they want that extra year of development, right? But because they're redshirting, like the college program is asking them to redshirt, it's like, 
oh, oh my gosh, like, why would I do that? (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's actually like, that's a, that's a gift being able to redshirt. And, you know, if you use that year wisely. Absolutely. You get to still practice with the squad. You know, you get to still hang out with the team and and do a bunch of stuff, uh, baseball related, but you just cannot compete in a game. But you're still a part of the team. You're still part of the program. Absolutely. You know, you can, you can chart away for a year. You can, <laughs> <laughs> yep, you can chart. chart away, you know, run foul balls, uh, you know, game balls. Up the there. You know, there's a lot of stuff. To do. Um, <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a really no. good thing. You extend your, you extend your career, you know, which is what everybody's aiming to do anyways. And, you know, you get to, you get a chance to learn about the college game with like no, like you, no skin on your back. Skin off your back, right? You're just there. You're, you know, like you don't have the pressure to compete yet, but you get to learn what it's like to play at that energy and that and at that level, you know. And and so you're much more prepared next year, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's usually what happens, you know, to a lot you know, and programs all over the country. If a guy's not ready as a freshman, you know, he's probably going to get redshirted and uh, and like you said, develop that's, and get his opportunity. Yeah, that's most guys at the four year level yeah. too. I would say. You know? Absolutely. So maybe not junior so, college, but um, yeah, junior college, you're more yeah, you're more like impact. To, yeah, well, you can still register there, same same kind yep. of experience. So yep. you know, I, I generally like to keep these, you know, right at the thirty minute mark. We're a little, you know, we're a little bit beyond that, um, you know, and oh well. So <laughs> I mean, we could break it up into two parts, but I'm probably not going to do that. We're yeah, probably yeah, just going to probably just going to cool yeah. So we, you know. We're, we're 45 minutes in, you know, I want to really thank you again for being on here um, and taking the time. I know you're super busy at the lake right now and I mean, you haven't, I haven't heard you like even like, even like maybe even have a sign of seeing a catfish. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, well, that line's pretty still right now, man. That's okay. You know? And yeah. Yeah. It's your, They're in there. They No, the catfish are in there. Yeah, they're in there somewhere. They're in, they're in just, quarantine. They're not leaving. Yeah, they're quarantining. Maybe their Wi-Fi's out. You never know. <laughs> I hope my Wi-Fi is out soon. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. No, but I really, you know, thanks again. And uh, I try. I was trying to text Bloom like to see if he's available to get on, and he hasn't got back to me. So you know, he's SOL there because I was going to call him, put him on a three-way here, but you know, next time. Oh, um. Awesome. Yeah. Well, his loss. Um. Awesome. But his voice, man, his voice is wonderful, right? And, oh, it's um, it's it's Morgan Freeman esque, man. To get him on a podcast, like people are going to be in awe. They won't even blink just listening to his voice. So. <laughs> um, Serenade, <laughs> Barry White. He's like the white Barry White. Yeah, Al Green. You name it. <laughs> all right. So, but no, thanks again. Um, all right, guys. Thanks for listening in, and I really, you know, I appreciate you sticking with us during this uh, this episode and. Um, Please, you know, if you can subscribe, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or whatever these other platforms are that we're on, uh, please do and share it with a friend. If you could take the time to leave a review and 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 you know a rating of sorts, um, that's also appreciated. Um, you know, we're going to continue to do this with with good baseball people that are going to you know try to provide the best direction possible. I know you guys are stuck at home and you know are are, are craving this information anyway, so. Um, please tune in for the next one, which I'm not even sure who we have on the schedule, um, but we have other people that are pretty cool. So um, not as cool as Brownie, though, because Brownie's, Brownie's right there at the top. So, Aww. yeah. Thank you. 
All right, guys. Well, you guys have a great day, and we will be back on soon. All right? See you later. Why?